Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. This is The Jerry Callahan Show. doing this. I watched Donald Trump last night with Tucker Carlson for an hour uh, with some commercials in there. So it was probably, I don't know, 45 minutes. And uh, that means Tucker got to ask about three questions. And then Trump just talked and talked and talked and repeated himself and repeated himself. But here's the question. Are we grading him on a curve? Are we, are we uh, looking at him and saying Trump versus Biden? Because if we are, then Trump is much much more lucid, much more articulate. He's Winston Churchill compared to the empty husk of a man who's in the White House right now. Actually, he's in Belfast, Ireland, on his way, uh, Northern Ireland, on his way to Dublin. We'll get to that. This, this is a strange trip for the U.S. president. He goes to Belfast, Ireland, but not East Palestine, Ohio, not Nashville, Tennessee, which would be, as far as, as far as I know, be a much shorter trip but for some reason, he felt compelled to go to Ireland. I have a theory, and we'll get to it. But Trump last night, I, I, I was struggling with this after watching it. Uh, what kind of grade do I give him? What kind of review? Overall, I'm just going to say, if we're grading him as either good Trump or bad Trump, I will give him a good Trump. Uh, not, not the greatest Trump. We'll get, to, we'll get to some of the highlights and lowlights. It was typical Trump. It was a lot of it was stream of consciousness. A lot of it was repeating himself over and over and over again. I knew he was going to get some people uh, upset when he talked about President Xi and Putin and Rocket Man. He still likes those guys, <laughs> which is a little strange. It really is. But uh, and he did talk obviously about the indictment. This was his first interview. Since the uh, arraignment, the indictment, the arrest in New York, he talked about that. And he made, made some good points. He talked about all the Democrats, all the liberals, all the legal scholars out there who, thought, who think this uh, indictment is outrageous and it will fail. And it's strictly political. And we all know that. We all know there's no crime here. There's no victim here. He is persecuted. That's his greatest that's his trump card, if you will. He, we, we all know they're attacking him from all directions because they want to stop him, because they want to hurt him, because he is the great disruptor. They do not want him returning to Washington. Uh, and uh, 
and uh, you know, upending the deep state. These are deep state swamp creatures, and they despise him because he threatens every time he, he, he talks. He threatens to expose them. He knows things, especially after four years in the White House. But I still struggle, and I will tell you why. It still feels like a walk on the tightrope. I'm still a little nervous when Trump talks that he'll say something really dumb or really, really outrageous. I just want, you know, I, I just want him to speak honestly. I want him to talk like casually and, and conversationally and not get too crazy. All right. That's, is that asking too much? Probably. That's one thing. That's one thing Ron DeSantis can do and Trump can't do. I, when DeSantis talks, I'm not holding my breath. I'm not saying, is he going to say something, you know, say something really great about, about uh, Kim Jong-un? <laughs> that, that's not an issue with Ron DeSantis or most politicians. It is with Trump. Uh, but if we're looking at him and saying it's Trump versus Biden, uh, it's not even close. Trump 76, Biden's uh, 80. He pointed out four, he said last night, he's got four, uh, he's four or five years younger than him. I believe it's four and a half. And he's so much more vibrant, so much more lucid. He looks better. He sounds better. He clearly has uh, much more uh, cognitive uh, ability than, uh, pre than Joe Biden. That's not even close. Most people... They're not sure Biden can do it. They're not sure he can handle another campaign. Nobody thinks he can handle another four years in office, which is probably why he's in Ireland. You know, you got to grift while you can, Joe. You only, you got less than two years left. Uh, but there were a few highlights and lowlights moments where I just uh, scratched my head when he talked about <laughs> the, the two N-words. He spent a lot of time talking about nuclear he didn't say nuclear bombs or nuclear weapons. He just kept saying nuclear. And it's a strategy. I understand it. And I, I agree with it. You got to point out uh, above all, above everything else that Joe Biden has us on the brink of a nuclear war. You have to continue to hammer away at that. And Trump will. Trump is. We are uh, close to war with Russia. Russia, which has more nuclear weapons than we do. Uh, we're obviously closer than ever to war with China. We have all these new alliances uh, that aren't in our favor. These new alliances that Russia and China have established recently. That's bad. To quote uh, Donald Trump, that's bad. That's a bad thing. Uh, and he pointed that out over and over again. His other strategy was to point out that he likes all our adversaries. It's kind of weird when he does this. He talks about how smart uh, President Xi is and Putin is and Kim Jong-un is and how he gets along with everybody and how they're, you know, they listen to him. I guess he wants you to think that he can establish new alliances and keep us out of World War III. That's the plan. He does it his way, which is a little weird and a little redundant. But uh, let's listen and <laughs> some of it, some of it's downright funny. I mean, he is funny. He's funny intentionally and he's funny unintentionally. But he talks about the N-word. He says there are two N-words which are off limits, which, which are not allowed. And one of them, he reveals, is nuclear. So he starts talking about nuclear. And I am genuinely holding my breath, wondering, 
is he going to say the other one? <laughs> was, was he thinking? I mean, when you say that, and, and Tucker, at times they showed the camera on Tucker and he's just looking at him going, are, are, we, really, are we really going there? Two, two N-words that you can't say. And he says one. And I'm going to go, and I'm going, is he really going to say the other? Now that would have been something if he said it just in passing. He didn't, thankfully. I'll give it away. He only said one of the uh, N-words you're not allowed to say. I never knew, by the way, you weren't allowed to say nuclear. I mean, I don't even know where that came from. But we, we got some of the highlights and lowlights and some of the uh, the head scratchers and some of the humor here. But uh, do we have the cut where he lays out the uh, two N-words you're not supposed to say, Ironhead? Let's yeah. listen. But he was very f- afraid of nuclear. I said, you know, you got to be a little bit cooler than that. But what happened is now that nobody talks about it, but every day Putin mentions it and every day other people mention it. And now all of a sudden, if you look, other countries are talking about getting it. This was something you don't mention. I call it the N word. You have two (laughs) N words. You don't mention either one of them. The nuclear word you don't mention because the power is so destructive. I met with professors at MIT and I was preparing for a debate. I wouldn't say it was a long preparation, but I did want to talk about nuclear because I consider it to be the single greatest threat the world has. <laughs> Two N-words. <laughs> well, thank God he did not uh, say the other N-word. He just said the nuclear word. And I know that's the strategy. I understood. But God, was it redundant. He just kept talking about the threat. And he didn't make a good point. I got to give him credit. It's an obvious point. But it's good to hear that nuclear is a much bigger threat than global warming. That's a good uh, uh, argument, debate point to have if you're going to go against Joe Biden or any Democrat, because they think global warming is the biggest threat facing the world today, an existential threat. I, I would say most normal, rational, reasonable people would disagree. They would say that nuclear war is kind of a bigger deal than global warming. I think that's, that should go without saying, but he made it, made the point. And I guess today in the eight, in the year 2023, that takes some courage to say global warming is not the biggest threat we're facing, but uh, we have a few other uh, highlights. He did. He makes me a little nervous when he praises these world leaders, these bad guys, those are our enemies, our adversaries. And he just goes on and on. It's a weird instinct. He has, where he'll, he's much, much uh, more critical. He's more vicious against uh, Ron DeSantis uh, than he is, or any, you name it, Mike Pence, or, or anybody who doesn't like him, the, the, the fake news media, you know, uh, Fox News, he'll be ripping. For, he's more critical of them than he is of Xi Jinping, or, or Putin even, you know, he got along great with Putin. I told him, you're not going to do that, Putin. If you go into Ukraine, you're gonna, we're going to hit you. We're going to hit you. It's, it's really in kind of, uh, the, the whole thing is, in Trump's mind, it's in really rudimentary terms. You know, you do that, we're going to get you. But he can always fall back on his record. And, and Tucker points this out. We didn't go to war. We didn't know, we, there were no wars, endless foreign, pointless foreign wars in Trump's four years. You know, there was no threat from Russia, from China. Uh, there is now. There is now. So that's going to be the theme for two years, uh, if, uh, well, for a little less than two years. It's going to be the theme in the debates, the commercials, 
He's the guy who can keep us out of nuclear war. Joe Biden's the guy who will get us into nuclear war. It's, it's, a, it's a good tact, but it's not, he doesn't do it that eloquently, to say the least. But uh, do we have him praising Xi Jinping and Putin and Rocket Man? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know what to say. It's, it's, it's a little over the top. He, he, he just kept saying, when asked how smart Xi Jinping is, he just kept saying, top of the line, top of the line. Like he was talking about a, a, a boat or, or a car, top of the line, top of the line. I never heard that, that expression used when trying to characterize somebody's intellect, but it's Trump. Whatever pops in his head, it comes out. But let's listen to a little bit more from Tucker, uh, Trump with Tucker last night. I've never met anybody smarter. How smart is Kim Jong-un? Top of the line. You know, people say, oh, this and that. Really smart. You know, when you come out and as a young man at 24, 23, even though he sort of inherits it, most people, when they inherit, they lose it. And that's easy stuff. He took over a country of very smart people, very, very energetic people, very tough people, at a very young age, and he has total dominant control. That's not easy. These are, these are very smart. Putin, oh, oh, very on. smart. He's talking about Kim Jong Un. Yeah. I mean, he, he, it's a, it, the, the country's a prison. I mean, these, these people. He's praising him. He inherited it. He's an inbred, you know, mutant. He inherited the country. We don't know how smart he is. Nobody knows. He's talking about inheriting a country that's in essentially a, a, a Marxist hellhole prison. People are starving. And he thinks it's, it's really smart that he managed to maintain control. Ah, okay, go ahead, play it. These are, these are very smart Putin, very smart. Now he's had, and probably a bad year. Don't forget that whole thing is not, if he took over all of Ukraine. And what are we gonna do? Because Biden is so committed to Ukraine. What happens if it's a not winnable war? You know, there are people that say Ukraine cannot win, can't beat Russia. He's right about that. I say it. <laughs> okay. He should stick with that. I'll end that war. He didn't say that last night. He, he loves to say he can end the war in 24 hours. He didn't go back to that. Maybe someone told him drop that. It's kind of silly. End a war in, a, in a one day. I mean, make it a week, Donald. <laughs> make it two weeks. I'm sure he could initiate uh, peace talks. Obviously, Joe Biden doesn't want peace and nobody in the Biden administration We'll even entertain the thought of settling this peacefully, of, of, of uh, uh, proposing a uh, ceasefire. Um, but, and Trump would do that. That's good. That's a contrast right there. But uh, just talking about how smart these guys are, how smart Kim Jong-un is. <laughs> he didn't earn it, Donald. I'm sorry he didn't earn that job. He didn't, uh, he didn't work his way up. <laughs> what you'd think. But uh, there were there were some funny points, too, from uh, Trump last night. He, he, and I, again, I give him credit. I did this last time he uh, did his uh, interview before the arraignment was no mention of horse face, no attacks on Ron DeSanctimonious, which is good. No mention of what a hellhole Florida is living in Florida. Very little time on the fake news media, a lot on foreign affairs, which is good. That's what he should do. And a lot on the utter incompetence of the Biden administration. But. Perhaps the funniest one, uh, 
would be, I mean, there's a few funny cuts, but the funniest one when he said uh, what it was like when he arrived at the courthouse for his arraignment. <laughs> Do we have that? Uh, and just how broken up the folks who work in the courthouse and the cops who were working the detail when he was arraigned in the New York courthouse last week. What was that like, Donald, when you arrived? <laughs> and I'll tell you, people were crying. People that work there, professionally work there, that have no problems putting in murderers and they see everybody. It's tough, tough place. And they were crying. They were actually crying. They said, I'm sorry. Uh, they'd say, 2024, sir, 2024. And tears are pouring down. There is. I've never seen anything like that. Those people are phenomenal. Those are your police. Yep. Those are the people that work at the courthouse. They're unbelievable people. Uh, many of them were in tears or close to it. Uh, many apologists were sorry, sir. We're sorry. They had. I don't know. Maybe they were. Uh, Ironhead, you believe that, huh? You believe people were crying? Uh, I don't know about the tears, but uh, everything else I could see for sure. I could see, yes. And, you know, you'll get them in 2024. But uh, imagine some gigantic, jacked, bearded cop just crying uh, his eyes out. When he's a New York cop, yeah. a, a guy in the NYPD crying because Donald Trump is in the courthouse. Uh, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. But, uh, you know, he and, he and he says they're crying 67 times. Do we have the cut, by the way, on the 57 missiles? He tells a story about having dinner at uh, Mar-a-Lago with Xi Jinping, which is amazing. Xi Jinping was in at Mar-a-Lago having dinner with Trump and, uh, and their entourages. And he went on and on about how Xi Jinping doesn't speak English, but he had an interpreter. He goes, I probably shouldn't say this, but she was really beautiful. His interpreter, she was smoking. Uh, and he talked about eating chocolate cake while he fired missiles into Syria, killing Russians. Just as an aside, yeah, we killed a bunch of Russians during dessert. And he much mentioned the 57 missiles 57 times. I don't know why that's so significant. And I'm not sure why that's such a great thing. Yeah, I slobbed missiles in, killed a bunch of Russians. I'm not sure that was the, this was the time or place to be boasting about that. But I, he, he always worries about the, the rap, the knock, that he's too soft on Putin. So he has to remind people, I killed Russians, you know. I, I, I put sanctions here. I, I killed the pipeline there. He, he wants to remind you that he's, he's not in bed with Putin, uh, which is fine. Yeah, he, he can make that point. But boy, does he make it over and over and over again. Let's, uh, let's play one more. He's, let's the, listen to the, he's the only president I've ever heard in this. This is the clip when they just come out and say, I murdered or killed people. <laughs> You never hear that. I know. I'm not sure he was supposed to. I mean, in the reason interviews are good, there's no teleprompter. You don't have to worry about the script. And I don't think he sticks to the script. He doesn't have a lot. Of, he doesn't have a lot of, I don't know, I don't want to say great vocabulary, but he, but there's a, he doesn't, now I'm struggling here. He struggles to find the word at times. And then he just repeats the last word. That's what he does. He doesn't mm -hmm. have the word. So he goes back to the last, it doesn't have the expression for this. So he goes back to the last expression and says it again. <laughs> but the 57 missiles just going and, and you know, I don't know. Was it 57? Was it 60? Was it 40? Who cares? But he just kept saying it, talking about how he bombed Syria while eating chocolate cake with Xi Jinping. Got to admit, Trump years were never boring. They were never dull. <laughs> Let's listen. And President Obama didn't go over the red line. And because of that, Russia took over Syria. And there's a whole big thing, right? You know that if yeah. Obama would have 
done what he said he was going to do because they were killing children. They were killing children with gas, with gas bombs. Yes. By the hundreds, by the thousands. And so, and he said, if that happens again, and it happened a number of times and he still never went over the line, but I did. So I shot uh, 57 missiles, almost every one of them hit into a military area, which had a lot of planes, wiped out a lot of planes, also had Russian soldiers, by the way. You know, they say I was so nice to Russia, right? I killed the pipeline. I sadly killed a lot of Russian soldiers, that 500 group, because <laughs> they were doing things that they weren't supposed to. Nobody writes that, and I don't want them to write it. I'm not proud of it, but we did that, as you know. But we shot uh, approximately 57 missiles in. So when I... <laughs> I'm telling you, says it three or four more times, and Tucker's just sitting there going, we're going to finish an hour here where we get to ask three questions, because he just kept rambling. But he killed Russian soldiers because they were doing things they weren't supposed to do. Wouldn't it be a good time to tell us what they were doing? <laughs> I mean, you killed them. What were they doing exactly? He talked about uh, Syria killing children. We've heard those stories for years about Assad uh, uh, um, chemically using chemical weapons on his own people and all that. And, and, but he can't quite retain the exact, the exact story or the exact example. So it just, you know, they were doing things they weren't supposed to do overall. I'll say, I think there's more to come from Tucker, but overall I'll say it was good as uh, compared to Biden. Is it good compared to, you know, uh, uh, whoever, uh, you, you know, DeSantis or, or Tim Scott, who's now in the race or, or uh, Gavin Newsom. I don't know about that. He also went on about how much he likes Gavin Newsom, which is weird. And it's a good time to mention this one to uh, my friends who are uh, big Trumpkins and get mad at me. You know, when I'm critical at all, I'm, I'm not being that critical. I thought it was pretty good. I'll give him a B. But we have a we have an interesting tweet from our friend John Cardillo this morning. I couldn't believe this. <laughs> um, Donald Trump donated to get this. Kamala Harris <laughs> and Gavin Newsom. Uh, and I know he was a businessman. He gave money to lots of people, but I believe this was 2014. This is a year before he announced his candidacy for president. And he gave money to Kamala Harris. <laughs> what? Uh, get ready. If DeSantis announces, uh, get ready to hear more about that. Cause God knows if DeSantis did that, Trump would already, already be running commercials. Uh, but Overall, decent job. I'm just, I don't think I'm ready for two years of Trump like this and Biden like, like hiding for the most part. But uh, we got Biden in Belfast. And I just want to read you a quick phrase in the description of why uh, Biden's going there. It's, it talks about, you know, international relations and everything. And this is, I believe, from the White House. It says part of the reason he's going there is to explore his Irish lineage and meet relatives. What? I'm sorry. That's what you do when you retire. That is not what you do when you're the leader of the free world. You go to Ireland to explore your Irish lineage and meet relatives. I have lots of friends who've done that. They take like three weeks vacation or they're retired and they say it's something I've always wanted to do. There is lots of things on this guy's plate. Now, I understand he's just a puppet. There's other people at work. They're still in D.C. But there's, uh, you know, 
we just went over it. We're on the brink of war with Russia. We got issues in China. We got Taiwan on the plate. We got the southern border. We got mass shootings where the president, if he was any kind of human being, would have already been in Nashville to comfort the uh, uh, the survivors, the relatives, the mourners. Uh, you got East Palestine still hasn't gone there. A lot closer than Belfast. But he went to Belfast and he brought two family members. This is so bizarre. It's so arrogant. His sister and his son. Hunter Biden was on Air Force One. Hunter Biden was at the White House. He was there for the egg roll. And now he's in Ireland and he's right by his father's side. Now, say what you want. You could be a big Joe Biden fan or, you know, hate Trump or whatever. We all agree that Hunter is a scumbag. I mean, anyone who who's paying attention at all. He's a scam artist. He's a grifter. He's the point man in the Biden crime family. We know what kind of human being he is, what kind of father, what kind of husband on camera, on video, the laptop has him committing like 400 crimes. Someone added him up. (laughs) Many of them felonies. We got him with a loaded gun and a little pile of crack naked with underage hookers. That guy doesn't belong on some goodwill trip to uh, one of our uh, allies, I'm sorry. And if he does go, shouldn't he be in the shadows? Is he, should he really be shoulder to shoulder with the big guy? It just seems so inappropriate. But as you would expect, um, Joe Biden was stag- stumbling and bumbling in Belfast. He's, he's doing no press conferences. He's only there for four days to explore his lineage and meet relatives for four days. I'm going to guess Hunter's going to come home with a deal, some kind of deal. It'll be dirty. It'll be shady. It'll be, uh, we'll, we'll you know, learn about it from, uh, you know, the New York post or, or uh, somebody will, will break the news and the Bidens don't care. You know, they, they know they're above the law and they don't care. So he brings this crackhead criminal with him. He's probably meeting with some investment guys and, and finding a way to, to, to cash in on dad, but uh, they don't care. They, they're so brazen about it, but he goes over there and he, <laughs> he's, I, I'm afraid I get some bad news for the country. Our president's mind is shot. There's like six thoughts in it. That's all he's got left. And he blurts them out wherever he is. If he sees somebody in a balcony, he says the same thing over and over. And it's never been funny. It's just so weird. And it's, again, it's a symptom of dementia. There's not much up there. (laughs) What he's got left up there, it comes out at inopportune, uh, inappropriate times. Let's let's watch him, I believe, this morning in Belfast. And I want all of you to know, especially the young people in the audience today, and don't jump, okay? (laughs) Oh, I didn't see it all the way up there. My father would say, please excuse my back. I apologize. What? <laughs> what does don't jump even mean? As my father would say, which as we all know is a tell, that's if he says, my father said this, you can be sure his father never said that. If he says no joke, that means he's lying. He turns his back and says, my father said, excuse my back. What? Don't jump. What? This is in on an international stage. And I don't know what is he supposed to take in the morning in some insure, some Adderall, but whatever it is, I don't think he got it. Do we have any more from this uh, 
from our fearless leader overseas yeah. today. This is him telling uh, the international people where his office is. <laughs> okay, this is Joe Biden. Joe Biden talking about where the Oval Office is. Good, good. As a matter of fact, as you walk into my office in the in the Oval Office in the United States Capitol, guess what? You know who founded and designed and built the White House? An Irishman. An Irish. No, not not a joke. Not a joke. <laughs> who, who thought it was a joke? Who thought it was a joke? It's his office isn't in the U.S. Capitol. It's in the White House. But whatever. And he's staring like blankly at this at the teleprompter and just stumbling around. And that can't make our allies feel good. They're looking at that going. This is the guy that's sending all the weapons to Ukraine, that this is the guy that's pushing Europe to the brink of war. Uh, it is a little scary, but uh, I'm going to guess they'll be heading home in four days and they'll be pretty happy because uh, uh, Hunter's going to have a big old bag of cash on Air Force One and uh, nothing you can do about it. They'll, they, they know. They know they're above the law. All right, we got to move. We got to move. We got so much to get to. I want to get to this Megan. Rapino or Rapino, I still don't know. Do you know do you know how to say it, Ironhead? I think it's Rapino, but I don't know. Rapino, everybody says it. Half the people I see call it Rapino, I've called it Rapino. Um, and we'll get to ESPN's coverage of that. We have a CNN guy defending the Dalai Lama. This is priceless. Defending an 89, I believe he's 89. Check that for me, would you please? Uh, uh, an 89-year-old guy tells a little boy to suck his tongue, and someone went on CNN, a journalist, to defend him. And we also have uh, the best video you will see this week, I promise you. Uh, Elon Musk sat down with the BBC. The BBC, obviously, just, you know, typical liberal you know, hacks. They don't, like, they don't like Musk, like all the liberal media here in America. And he just takes him to school. It is glorious. We will get to that. Lots more. But first. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. A recession-proof investment without compromise, European American Armory Corp or EAA Corp has specialized in providing high-quality, innovative, and reasonably priced firearms to the U.S. market since 1990. Choose from a wide selection of unique and traditional pistols, whether you're looking for a concealed carry, revolver, shotgun, or competition pistol, EAA Corp has it. EAA's 1911 series comes in compact carry or full-size in three popular calibers. First-time gun owner, no problem. EAA Corp all-in-one 9mm MC9 striker fire pistols come fully equipped in a sleek, light, ergonomic package ideal for everyday carry. In addition, their lineup includes MC312 series of 12-gauge shotguns for hunting, sporting, tactical, or personal defense that will exceed your expectations. There's a limited lifetime warranty on every series available today from EAA Corp. EAA Corp says get the quality firearm you've always wanted and save yourself a lot of your hard-earned money. Visit EAA Corp 
com to learn more and order online or through your local dealer. Oh, the Dalai Lama is only 87. Sorry, Dalai. Or should I call him Lama? I don't, I don't know. I don't know my, I don't know the history of the Dalai Lama. I just know he's a creep. I think he goes by your holiness. Your holiness. Uh, that, that whole story creeps me out, but we'll get to that. This story uh, kind of creeps me out a little too. Megan Rapinoe. And Sue Bird, we talked about it briefly yesterday. They signed a letter opposing the trans athlete ban. I believe the number of uh, athletes who signed it were about 60. And I went through the list. I don't know if you looked at the list, but I didn't know anybody other than, uh, other than, let me get the list up, other than those two. It's called Athlete Ally. And they sent this list to the um, U.S. House of Representatives defending trans people in sports, which means defending boys playing girls sports. There's an NFL guy who I never heard of on this list. Um, and uh, let me get his name. He's, uh, we have power lifters, softball players, mostly women. Uh, a guy named Johnny Stanton. This is a professional football player. I believe he's a linebacker somewhere. Uh, soccer, soccer, uh, triathlete. Mostly women and uh, mostly not famous, not like uh, Megan Rapino, Rapino and Sue Bird, who are a couple, by the way. And to me, and I, I tweeted about this, that, you know, this, these people are selfish. You know, their careers are done. They've made their money. Megan Rapino has won her championships, her awards. She's made a fortune. And she's talking about the next generation and talking about boys beating up on girls and she doesn't care. She's obviously a crazy woke liberal and she's going to take the side of the trans mob, which is not a surprise. I'm not, uh, no surprise at all. But, uh, it, and I, when I tweeted about it, everyone was quick to point out, including Ironhead, that, um, if boys had played girls soccer in Horde day, she wouldn't be as rich and famous as she is right now. And, uh, to prove it, the U.S. women's team, the best team in the world, played a U-15 boys team from Dallas. Not even a national, a local team. That's be 15-year-olds and under. And they got their ass kicked. The uh, boys won 5-2, to two, which in soccer is the equivalent of like 100-1 to one in 100-0 to zero in football. They get crushed. So if those boys or one or two of those boys decided to play soccer when Megan was a kid or even a high school or college, whatever. She'd have got her ass kicked by a boy. And I, I get the feeling she'd have a different view of this. It's easy to say, yeah, let everyone play until you're, you know, in, in the, on the field, in the game, in the pool. And that person who is stronger and faster than you is, is winning, is beating you, is, is, is rubbing it in your face. I mean, it just seems so arrogant to me at this point to say, I got mine, we got ours, the hell with you guys. And that's basically what she's saying. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to matter. I don't think it's going uh, to help because we have common sense on our side. You know, we have biology on our side. They have just woke fantasies that somehow there's no great advantage for boys. I tell, I've told the story a couple months ago and a friend of mine, uh, a Boston cop, and I saw him one day and this cookout and he had just come from his daughter's soccer game and he was laughing. His daughter was nine. 
yeah, nine-year-old soccer game. And I said, how'd your team do? He says, uh, we did okay. Uh, the other team had a boy. And I said, oh, what happened? He says, he just dominated. And so what's the score? He said, six to two, we lost. He scored all six goals and he could have scored more if they let him. He would, They got dominated by one boy and they're nine years old. And, and it's easy. You know, he's laughing about it now because they're just little kids. But when they get to high school and college, it's a different story. You're talking about girls like, like Riley Gaines or, you know, girl, high school, college soccer players have worked their whole lives for this chance and who want to play in college. You want to get a scholarship or, uh, you know, get, get an offer to play at the highest level. And there's a boy in the way. And we all know that's not fair. It doesn't even seem like a debate. It shouldn't even be a debate to me. And it's not, uh, but uh, let's get to the, uh, to the little controversy in my world. Uh, Riley Gaines, who we had on the show, who I support and uh, I've, Retweeted many times, I believe, or tweeted in support of her. She tweeted something kind of weird uh, at Megan Rapino. She wrote, it's worth noting that, one, you're done with your athletic career. That's the key point. And two, because you aren't sexually attracted to men, it's unlikely you will ever have a daughter to defend. To me, this looks like a classic case of virtue signaling because you have nothing personally to lose. Now, I got to be honest. I didn't give that a lot of thought. I retweeted it and that upset my former friend, my former partner, Kirk Minahan, uh, and which took me by surprise. I have to say he's very angry about this, but I, I got to say, you know, what's the expression? Uh, retweets don't equal endorsements. I didn't give it a lot of thought. I just saw a woman I like and support and a woman I don't like and don't support. And I gave the retweet to Riley Gaines. I tell you when I started thinking about it though, and I'm just being honest, she went on Laura Ingram and said this. And I started thinking it's a little weird because Laura Ingram is a single mother with a bunch of adopted kids. I got, I didn't think, you know, like, Ooh, she, she's talking about someone who can adopt or someone who could have a baby as a, with a surrogate, which is obvious. I, I don't know. I mean, even, even Riley Gaines must know that. I mean, she's a woman. She can have a baby and she can have a daughter. She should have just said, Riley Gaines should have just said, when you have a daughter, if you have a daughter, maybe you'll feel differently. If you see your daughter at whatever, six, eight, 10, 12, high school, college, get her ass kicked by Leah Thomas. Maybe you'll think differently. That's what Riley Gaines should have said. She didn't. I think uh, she stepped, I think she changed the tweet. I think she deleted it and changed it. But uh, that, that, you know, Kirk's a big uh, advocate for adoption and it upset him, but I, it wasn't like I was, uh, I didn't, I didn't think it through. I admit that, but I also didn't think, Hey, that's not right. She can adopt. Obviously she can adopt. I don't think she has yet. I looked it up, looked up her family. She's engaged to Sue Bird. And again, forget adoption. She can have a baby. It could be a girl. She probably will. And then she might think differently. That's what Riley Gaines should have said. But, uh, you know, it's another amazing thing about Riley Gaines. She's, she seems to be just taking an obvious stand, easily, you know, a very popular stand to defend women. And she's become this villain. Obviously, on college campuses, they, they're shouting at her and they don't want her there. ESPN, according to uh, OutKick, has never mentioned her dust up at San Francisco state. I mean, there's video, there's audio, there's a whole scene. 
I thought it was a pretty big story, a pretty big deal. And uh, they don't mention it. It's like not even mentioned. <laughs> How is that not news? How is that not sports news? She's there fighting for women's sports. She's a fairly famous women ath- woman's female athlete. She's you know debating, fighting, getting attacked, and they ignore it. Just seems bizarre. You can be on Megan Rapinoe's side. You can be on Sue Bird's side, or uh, you know, it's it's a debate and it's raging. Hell, Caitlyn Jenner's on Riley Gaines' side, so there's a debate going on, and Riley Gaines is leading the charge along with others, and we've mentioned it many times, along with libs of TikTok and Matt Walsh. Uh, but how did she become such a villain? I feel I'm I'm nervous for her. I mean, they took a swing. They, 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 they attacked her, they assaulted her at San Francisco state and she's just getting started. She's determined to keep on with this fight. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous for her because people are pretty passionate about that, but uh, no mention of this story on CN, I'm a, on ESPN. I think they covered it on CNN, you know, when they were done defending the Dalai Lama. <laughs> uh, let's get to this. Let's get to this. Oh, did we have that ESPN sound? You know, yeah. Let's hear what ESPN had to say. This is the biggest story. I don't want to say in, in the news, but it's the biggest story in sports. The fight for women's sports. You know, do you let men play women's sports? It's obviously on the heels of the uh, Dylan Mulvaney uh, controversy. Controversy. We got, the, we got more on that too. I think it's working. I think Bud Light is going to feel some pain. Here. I don't know how long it's going to last, but uh, people are pissed. But uh, let's listen to ESPN, uh, their, their brief coverage of the Riley Gaines versus Megan Rapinoe dust up. Go ahead. You are white. I am black. A white supremacy slave trade because you're white. Racial discrimination, African-Americans, black women. White privilege. <laughs> white privilege. White privilege. White people should feel a certain amount of guilt. Black men. White analysts. Black dude. Racist. White dude. I am a black man. <laughs> My blackness. A lot of racist out there. Racist. 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 <laughs> I highly enjoy the uh, just black woman. <laughs> That is, uh, <laughs> that, that's a quick snippet of ESPN today. Not covering Megan Rapinoe or, or Riley Gaines, but everything. That's all they do, um, from what I gather. Everything is about race. At least that's, you know, on social media, all you see is every story. There's no racial component here, so they ignore it. I mean, if there were, if Megan Rapinoe or Sue Bird were black, they'd be jumping in defending her. If, if Riley Gaines, well, they wouldn't defend Riley Gaines, but... It's kind of a big sports story and it hits home for a lot of people. You know, it hits home for people with daughters or people who might have a daughter or people who are competing in sports in high school and college or, you know, just people sitting back watching and going, this is not right. This is, this should be common sense. Every state should pass these laws and say, you know, boys against the boys, simple as that, at least until, you know, you're adult kids, should young girls should not be in the locker room with naked boys. Is that, am I, am I a Neanderthal say that? Am I a caveman? Well, fine. Guilty as charged, but uh, all right, let's get to this guy. I got to get his name. I, I, to be honest, never heard of him, but CNN uh, had a panel. Uh, you want me to do Shay? Is that why you're looking at me? Oh, I was pulling it up. You can do Shay, yeah. All right, let me do Shay, and then we'll tell you how CNN jumped to the defense of an 87-year-old man 
who asked the little boy to suck his tongue. Well, it's the dead of winter, but that doesn't slow down Shea Concrete. They've got a huge selection of precast concrete steps ready to be installed at your home. If you're building a new home or remodeling or replacing an old staircase, Shea has great values with designs that will fit your home. A new staircase will dramatically upgrade the front entrance of your home, giving you a much better curb appeal. You'll be the talk of the town, the envy of the neighborhood. Shea will take care of all this. They remove the old stairs. You don't want to have to do that yourself. When they're done, you'll have a great-looking new entrance that will add value to your home. It's not an expense. This is an investment in your home. With one phone call, Shea will deliver a turnkey installation experience. In a few hours, you get a brand new front entrance. Go to SheaConcrete.com to learn more. Also, you can go there and look for a job. Right now, Shea is hiring. They've got between 15 to 20 open positions. These are career opportunities for all different types of people with all different types of skill sets. All you got to do is pass a drug test. You know, there are some stories where it seems impossible to have, you know, a dissenting voice. I would like to think the the boys and girls sports would be that story, but that's not the case in America in 2023. But excuse me, when the Dalai Lama story broke the other day, we talked about it. We showed the video. We asked questions about this, this man, this creepy old man. And uh, what would they, how would they react? They apologized. The Dalai Lama apologized for what he did with the child. If you missed it, he was, he had a little boy sitting on his lap and he asked the boy to suck his tongue, suck his tongue. I mean, I've heard of sucking other things. I never heard anybody ask to suck my tongue. I never thought that was a thing. I never thought that did anything to uh, excite people, but Hey, what do I know? I'm not, not really, not that kinky. Uh, Anyway, CNN has a panel, uh, host Allison Camerata. And uh, one of the panelists is a guy named Jay Michelson. He's a columnist for Rolling Stone. Oh, man, we got to get to, I got to make sure I have time for Elon Musk because that video is so great. Uh, but the columnist Jay Michelson, and they're talking about the spiritual leader, uh, Dalai Lama, and uh, they, they play the video, and uh, the, according to Mediaite, the, uh, the video earned a few cringes on social media, and a CNN panel led by Allison Camerata was no different. But there was one defender who said he met the Dalai Lama multiple times. This is the Rolling Stone guy. And said it was one of the most powerful experiences in his life. Sure, he left with a hickey on his tongue. <laughs> he didn't. Uh, that's a good one, Ironhead. That, he didn't mention if he, the Dalai Lama asked him to uh, suck his tongue. He just said it was a powerful experience, and he met him. And somehow, after this video emerges, he feels the need to defend him. Let's listen to the Rolling Stone columnist, Jay Michelson. Jay, you've met the Dalai Lama many times. Have you sucked his tongue? I have not. Uh, the Dalai Lama is a very playful human being, and we may see this in a weird, kind of gross, sexualized way, but this is about as sexual as a bowl of plain rice. There is nothing sexual or erotic, or erotic happening in this encounter, as you can see by the reaction of the people who are there. Uh, Tibetan culture just had a as it's what we kiss with, it's sexualized, it's this, and of course that this is offensive to us, as it should be. Uh, it's not seen that way in Tibetan culture. This is, this is a part of the body. It's something playful. It was clearly a mistake. The apology was, was in order. This was clearly 
something that was at best, you know, insensitive to how this would be seen by a large swath of the world population. But it seems clear from the <laughs> video, and look, I'm biased. I mean, the, the Dalai Lama is one of my spiritual heroes. I have met him. Being in his presence is, is really one of the most powerful experiences I've had in my life. And the aura of loving kindness that he has is evident even here, where he's being playful in a way that in Western culture would certainly be inappropriate. But I mean, part of Oh my God, that that's incredible, and that didn't get a lot of play. I, I see Mediaite has a post about it, but I didn't see it in a lot of cable shows or online. That's incredible. Yeah, it's different. Obviously, we should be offended, but they're different over there. The, uh, a, an eighty-seven-year-old man asking a little boy to suck his tongue, and he said, "There's nothing sexual, nothing inappropriate." What the hell? There's certain people that you can't defend. That when you start defending them, you have to say stop. Something in your mind has to go off. You don't defend Bill Cosby. You know, you don't defend uh, Jeffrey Epstein. You don't defend the, a, a, an old man on camera asking a child to suck his tongue and sucking face with him, by the way. He's not just sucking his tongue. He's got a full head of steam. He's fully aroused at this point, and it's disgusting. And you, and you got to denounce, there's no, there's no two ways. There's no two sides to it, you freak. Probably the guy that put uh, Zarniev on the cover. You're probably right. He's probably the one. I'm going to say he is. Jay Mickelson put Zarniuf as a rock star on the cover of Rolling Stone, but I'm not sure anybody even, does Rolling Stone even exist? I, I haven't seen it lately, but uh, Me either. This, this creep, he just wishes he could suck face with the Dalai Lama. Man, that is weird, but all right, let's get to it. This is so good. Um, I don't know how long we're going to play, but here's the deal. Elon Musk sits down with the BBC the BBC, if you're not aware, is no different than the New York Times or CNN or MSN. Just a bunch of hacks, just a bunch of left-wing activists uh, posing as reporters, posing as journalists. Uh, this is on the heels, by the way, of uh, Elon Musk adding a little description to their uh, uh, Twitter account. The BBC Twitter account now says, what's the exact term they put there for uh, go uh, government-funded media? That's what they call them. <laughs> They did it to uh, to NPR here too, state-affiliated media, which is accurate. It pisses them off, but it's accurate. So this guy sits down and thinks he's just going to have a casual Q&A with Elon Musk. He doesn't know what hits him. Musk starts throwing it back at him because he, he goes with that cliche, that uh, kind of trope that since Musk took over, you know, the, the platform is full of hate and racism and sexism. And it's just, you know, there's no evidence of that. It's just the opposite. And Musk was having none of it. So he throws it back at the guy and the guy just has, to, and finally the guy's like, I just want to move on. I want to move on. It is, this is one of the most humiliating videos uh, a journalist has ever experienced because it's going global. It's obviously in, in Europe and it's going around the world. It's all over the, all over Twitter. And Musk was great here. This is glorious. Let's listen. I got to get the guy's name. Can you get the guy's name? The BBC hack. I have it here somewhere. Yeah, but I love my favorite part when he starts saying that he's seen things that are slightly sexist on Twitter. And in his mind, that's hate speech. If you find something, I don't know, some joke about, I don't know, Paige Spiranak, slightly sexist. Or Paige Spiranak sitting in a big bucket full of balls naked, which was we saw yesterday, which is pretty great. He sees this and he says, that's hate speech. Go ahead, let's play. 
I mean, I would, I would only just add that, you know, we have spoken to people who, who have been sacked that used to be in content moderation. And, and we've spoken to people very recently who were involved in moderation. And they just say they just, there's not enough people to police this stuff, particularly around, um, particularly around hate speech um, in the company. Do, is that well, what something hate that speech are you talking about? I mean, you use Twitter. Right. Do you see a rise in hate speech? I mean, I, I, just a personal anecdote. Like, what do you do? I don't. Personally, my uh, for you, I would see I get I get more of that kind of content. Yeah, personally, but I, I'm not going to talk to talk to the rest of for, for the rest of Twitter. So you see more hate speech personally. I would say I would see more hateful content in that in that content moment. you don't like or or hateful. What do you mean to describe a hateful thing? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, just content that will solicit. A reaction, something that may include something that is slightly racist or slightly sexist, those kinds of those kinds of things. So you think if I, something is slightly sexist, it should be banned? I, no, is that I'm what not, you're saying? I'm not saying anything. I'm well, saying. I'm just curious. What you, I'm, I'm trying to understand what you mean by hateful con content, and I'm asking for specific examples. Um, and if, and you just said that if something is slightly sexist, that's hateful content. Does that mean that it should be banned? Well, you've asked me. You've asked me whether my feed, whether it's got less or more, it, I'd say it's got slightly more. That's what I'm asking for examples. Can, right. you, can you name one example? I, I honestly don't need, I, I, honestly, you I don't. You can't name I, a single example. I'll tell you why, because I don't actually use that for you feed anymore, because I, I just don't particularly like it. You said actually, you, a, lot of people, a lot of people are quite similar. I, 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 only, well, well, I only look well, at hang my, on a second. My you said you've seen more hateful content, but you can't name a single example, not even one. I'm not sure I've used that feed for the last three or four weeks. And I, well, I, then I how did you see the hateful content? content? Because I've been I've been using I've been using Twitter since you've taken it over for the last six months. Okay, so then you must have at some point seen the you for you hateful content. I'm asking for one example. Right, and and you I, can't I, give a single I, one. And, and, and I'm saying I've, I, then I, I say so that you don't know what you're talking about. Really? <laughs> yes, because you can't give me a single example of hateful con content, not even one tweet, and yet you claimed that the hateful content was high. Well, that's a false. No, what I claimed, you just lied. What no no what I claim was. Uh, there are many uh, organizations that say that that kind of information is on the rise. Now, whether whether it has on my feed one or example. not, I mean, I, right? And Literally if you, you look at someone one. like the, the uh, Strategic Dialogue uh, Institute in the, U in the UK, they will say that. So you, they, look, people will say all sorts of nonsense. I'm literally asking for a right. single example, and you can't name one. Right. And as, as I already said, I don't use that feed. But let's, well, then how let, would you know that? I don't you, think this is getting anywhere. You literally said you experienced more hateful content. And then couldn't name a single example. Right, and as I said, I that's absurd. I haven't, I haven't actually looked at that feed. Then how would you know this hateful content? Because I'm saying that's what I saw a few weeks ago. I can't give you an exact example. Let's move on. We have. I like how he's trying to outsmart <laughs> the smartest guy in the world. <laughs> let's move on. No, let's not. That is glorious. And just so you know, he is no different from the reporters, the quote unquote reporters, the the left wing activists with press passes in this country. That's, that's would be a typical ES, uh, ESPN, New York times, CNN. They just hear, you know, say in their little echo chamber, Oh, there's hate speech, hate speech. And he says, slightly racist, slightly sexist and must God bless him, throws it back in his face. So you think something that's slightly sexist is hate speech that should be banned. And the answer, if he was being honest, this fraud would say, yes, I think anyone who disagrees with me, Anything I disagree with is hate speech, and I think they should be banned. They should be censored. That's what they think, and that is exactly the way it's done. That's the way every politician, I should say every Republican, Democrats, they agree with the, this clown, but 
every, every, you know, uh, tech exec. Again, I'm talking about people in bed with them. Any, any corporate Titan who's not, uh, woke, who's not uh, a big fan of censorship should do that. Should throw it right back at him. What are you talking about? Hate speech. Not one example. And I love the way he thinks he's going to get out of it by saying, I haven't been on the platform in, uh, in three weeks. Okay. Well, you were on it three weeks ago. Give me an example. And he couldn't. And he, and Musk, God bless him, calls him a liar to his face. That is so great. And it's going everywhere. And this guy, James Clayton is his name. We'll never live that down. That's uh you know, that's Al Capone's vault for Geraldo right there. That is something that will stay with this clown forever as well. It should great job by Musk. And he's going to, he'll leave up the government funded media description in their bio forever. By the way, uh, they're taking away the blue check marks. Should, should I be worried? What does that even mean? I don't even, you know, how does that change my life? Uh, I don't think it will. You, you promise? I'm not going to be like, uh, you just won't be able to like, I think DM other blue check marks. I can do that. I think so. I think so. <laughs> I didn't even know I could do that. I could DM other blue check marks. Oh, well, I don't know. I guess it'll be gone soon. He says by, by April 20, by 420, which is one of Musk's favorite days on the calendar. Those Hitler's will be Hitler's gone. birthday. What a piece of work that Musk is. I thought that was marijuana day. Isn't it, that, uh, it is, the, but it's, it's also Hitler's birthday. <laughs> also marijuana day and Hitler's birthday are the same day. That's, didn't even know that, but I should know that. But I right, will leave it there. Thanks to everyone for listening and commenting. We'll do your comments. We'll do your questions on Friday. I promise. Thanks, Ironhead. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is the Callahan Show, and we will do it again tomorrow. Shaking my head and thinking something ain't right. Is it just me? Am I losing my mind? Am I standing on the edge of the end of time? Like the show? Leave a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen.